0: it's a shit economy these days and you want to get everything you can get but i do have to say there are easier ways to get a free refrigerator it's all over soon you're slipping jimmy slipping jimmy with a law degree is like a chimp with a machine gun who moves cones who does that money is not beside the point money is the point it's all over soon it's a real thing i didn't make it up you're perfect for each other Welcome to Saul Over Soon, a Better Call Saul show. I'm Magna Mills, and I'm flying solo tonight to cover episode eight of season six of Better Call Saul, titled Point Shoot. This is the first episode of season six, part two, the final six episodes of Better Call Saul. Thank you for checking us out. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching for Saul Over Soon. We're on social media at Saul Over Soon, and you can send feedback to SaulOverSoon at gmail.com. We're from the Joe Blow Football Show, who you can find at JoeBlowFootballShow.com, and on social media, at Joe Blow Show. Please be aware, Over Soon" is a full spoiler show. We will be spoiling all of the events of every Better Call Saul show, of every episode of Breaking Bad, of El Camino, and we will talk about any cast interviews, podcasts, literally anything except set leaks, rumors, that kind of thing, is fair game. It's your first and final warning. Let's do this thing! This is episode 8 of season 6 of Better Call Saul, titled Point and Shoot, originally aired July 12th, 2022. This is directed by Vince Gilligan, the man, the Gilligan, the man with the island. This is the ninth episode of Better Call Saul that he's directed. The most recent before this was Carrot and Stick, earlier in season 6. This was written by Gordon Smith. This is his 11th written by credit on Better Call Saul. The most recent before this was, again... From earlier in this season, Rock in a Hard Place, the short plot synopsis here is an unexpected visitor forces Jimmy and Kim to face the consequences of their actions. Initial thoughts here are this episode was going to go down like three different paths, one of which was the path where Lalo dies in this episode. Once he went to the laundry and Gus headed there to meet him and arrived, I figured that was basically like fait accompli that was going to happen. In a little part of me was like, oh, no, because I didn't want Lala to get taken off the board. I I think they did it as well as possible. It was a little ham-fisted with the way they set it up earlier in the season with Gus planting the gun there. I mean, that was some literal Ms. Cleo shit. I don't know exactly how we figured it out. But they did it so well. I'm willing to forgive the show if they couldn't quite make it, you know, flow perfectly from a plot standpoint. It's kind of like the Hamlin con where you had the little problem with how did they swap the final envelopes? You just have to take it for what it's worth. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very tense, even though I had a pretty good idea what was going to happen. So I can't complain about it too much at all. There's really not a ton of need to go through a deep recap. Pretty much Lalo just makes either Jim or Kimmy go to see Gus and, you know, kill him. And Lala knows they're not really going to succeed. The whole point is just to draw security so he can sneak into the laundry and take a video. And I, I think that's basically, that's his plan. He doesn't know that Gus is going to come. He just uses it as a happy accident when he does. And that's, a, that's what she said, if I've ever said one. But seriously, that's not a terribly complicated plot thing going on this episode. It's all about how it looks, how it feels, how it delivers in just the tension that you feel throughout, even though, again, you probably have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. The tension's really what carries it. And we pick back up early, back in the apartment, Hamlin's still on the floor, body's still warm. Lalo tells Jimmy and Gimelgard, Jimmy, you're going to go basically kill Gus Fring. He doesn't tell him it's Gus Fring. At that point, I didn't quite understand his plan, but it should have been a hint that when he lets Jimmy swap him in for him, That he really didn't think it was going to succeed or really give a fuck that much. And I think that's perfectly illustrated later in the episode when Gus talks to Kim on the phone. And once Kim tells him that Lalo let Jimmy talk him out of it. He talked Lalo out of it. That's right. And that's what lets him put two and two together to go to the laundry. Because he thinks that's where Lalo's going to get the evidence. I think that all tracks from a writing standpoint. I'm not complaining there were a couple of nice moments with Lalo Kim and Jimmy in the apartment stating the obvious here maybe but turn the car off right he calls the gun in the in the car idiot proof again Jimmy's a cockroach to him he's impressed by his ability to survive but not with much else and we see Kim forget her shoes and Lalo makes her oh you got to remember your shoes and Hamlin's shoes became a whole thing as we saw in the cold open and as we see at the end of the episode and Lalo calls Kim Mrs. Goodman I don't know that I've really heard anybody else refer to you know her as Mrs. Goodman so just a thought in the image like when Jimmy's trying to get free and he knocks himself over and he's laying on the floor next to Howard Hamlin's body that was just that was a hell of a shot man that was some crazy shit and then everything is we go with Kim to Gus's house it is crazy tense. It's her driving on the freeway. She's at the stoplight next to the cops. She gets to the door. And I shout out the musical score there. It is just, that's like a crescendo in that, you know, she gets grabbed right at the end. I just thought that entire sequence again, even though, you know, Kim's probably not going to get popped in the head right there. You definitely know what's possible. Then we get to when Lalo breaks into the laundry yeah, I yeah, I give him credit. Like I, I think he could probably do it. He kind of scurries up the, you know, jumps on the sign, breaks in through a fan. It, it's very much like how you would do a stealth break in at a video game level. And then later when Gus comes, he manages to spot the, the bent fan blade, which I give him credit for. But on the other hand, he never bothered to warn his guards. So Lalo manages to cap like all five of his guards in the back of the head before any of them can turn around. That is a little bit rough, especially because these are supposed to be Mike's best guys, probably, that are with Gus. I have a hard time believing that Lalo could have gotten the drop on all of them that easily at once. I kind of get why they did it. They just wanted to let the two actors go at it mano-a-mano. They didn't want to have to deal with somehow the other guys getting taken out or something. But I think it would have been a little bit more interesting, and maybe there was a bit of a cat and mouse thing, where Lalo took out the guards, and Gus was trying to find him or something, because it does seem, again, a little bit just too pat, that Lalo wants to take him downstairs and follows him all the way, and lets him be close enough to, you know, pull the lights, get to where the gun is. I don't have a huge problem with it, but, again, this episode, it's really just the tension, because you do, you know, once they get Kim, you do get the scene of Gus talking to her on the phone, But after that, you know, you do get a little bit of Mike and uh, Jimmy slash Saul in the apartment or whatever. But for the most part, the the big set piece of the episode is just mostly set at the laundry. And even a decent portion of it after Lola takes out all of Gus's henchmen and everything. And I have to say, shout out Tony Dalton, man. Just the way he does this, he's filming the video on his literally a camcorder, I think with his gun he's shooting Gus like he knows he has the body the body armor on and everything he's just having a grand old time uh just Tony Dalton so good and again Giancarlo also just as good and there's a little bit of the thing in the back of your head going well Gus can't die here so that took a touch away from it but I thought it was all masterfully done it, especially the way it was filmed uh when you have the big Washing machine or whatever it is, flip back, and you see how impressed Lalo is. And he's really even he's talking to Don Eladio on the camcorder, he's just he's actually legitimately impressed by what Fring has done. And basically implying that Eladio is going to be able to take all of that with the help of the Salamancas, and then they'll be the big map guys or whatever. I don't know that I have the fake that they could have pulled it off, but again, it's filmed great. I'm surprised that Lalo is willing to go with Gus further and further down all the way. You know, to the bottom there off the the ladders and the scaffolding and whatnot, just because what did he need at that point? He basically had it. And then, yeah, all credit where credit is due. Gus suckers him in with the speech. If I have one last thing to say, not going to go too far into it here because that may or may not be my favorite quote of the episode. But that was amazing, and it basically sets up the way we saw earlier in the season where he pulls the you know, the plug on the electrical there on the lights, manages to get to his gun, get a couple shots, and he gets followed, dude. So, R.I.P. Lalo Salamanca. Dude goes out with a sick kind of smile on his face and laughing, and uh, Tony Dalton's always talked about that. As he was a man who always kind of knew he would die in such a way because it was his lifestyle and everything. Uh, you know, I thought he went out to his fullest – and again, the the irony of the fact that he's always been buried in the floor of the Super Lab throughout the events of Breaking Bad is just great. So, R.I.P., Lalo Salamanca, we hardly knew you. And if there's a prequel series to be found in Breaking Bad, it's either Young Lalo or Young Gus Fring, I think. So, let's see if it happens. And, he got, you know, another good line in there was the fact that Lalo said, Gustavo thought he was building an empire, but all he was building was a tomb. That's definitely ironic as fuck when you figure out that he's the one who actually gets buried there, you know, and to set Gus up on the big blinds, like, are oh, you done? And Gus is like, no. Not yet, and he literally meant like, no, not yet. Of course, I'm not yet. I I come back in in Breaking Bad, and he does pull the gun till the trigger goes click, perfect shit. And then after all that, Gus got banged up because Lalo shot him multiple times. He did have the body armor, r but a couple, you know, went through a bit. So he calls Lyle, you know, his man, and Los Payos hermanos to take over the whatnot and whatever. And I got to say, both Gus and Lyle are true fucking professionals. This is Lyle's big moment. You know, he's ready. It's mom spaghetti. He's B-Rabbit there. I hope he doesn't blow it. Loving that. And I think Mike's conversation with Gus in that moment, that feels like, all right, now they're fully on the level of where they are at in Breaking Bad. And Jamie G likes to talk about that a lot, about what it took to get Mike to kind of that level where I don't think he's necessarily like, ever at the point where Gus will unquestionably listen to him, but he definitely regards his opinion very highly. I think he's there now in, yeah, man, just not a lot left after that again, because for the most part, Saul spends most of the episode, you know, either scared of Lalo or tied up in the chair. And then we get to him and he's sitting in the bathroom. And I I think it's just an interesting shot when you compare it to, how opulent his bathroom is that we see in the opening episode of the season with the golden throne and all that. And here he's just like in the bathroom because he was probably literally getting sick and waiting for Kim, hoping she came home safe. You know, and even though Mike had told him that she was safe, you know, he wasn't going to believe it till he saw. it. And then when she comes running in, it, it's such a great moment, but then, you know, you see Hamlin's body there again, and then you get the scene with them and Mike and Mike telling them, that yeah, this never happened. And you know, obviously, we're not going to get to the fact yet that Kim knew that Lala was alive and Saul did not, and she didn't tell him. But Mike does kind of make it clear when Saul's begging him, like, you know, well, what if Lalo and Mike's like, Told me you understand me, he is not coming back. I think they did a good job of setting it up with the cops as far as Hamlin's corpse and everything. It's very ironic that they're going to use the con that Jimmy and Kim set up to justify his suicide. It, it makes sense, but it's definitely going to put them on the radar. I feel this is one of those things, even if, again, no one can ever prove it, it's going to add more tarnish to Jimmy and force him further into the Sagan persona, and it could definitely fuck with Kim's ability to do her pro bono work the way she wanted to. Yeah, i think it's a bit interesting that mike really knew what they were doing to hamlin obviously they had guys following them so they should have you know known they were up to something but i think it's really interesting that he was able to fairly accurately deduce what their plan was so to speak and mike does give a hell of a line when he tells them exactly what they're going to have to do tomorrow today you're meryl streep and Lawrence olivier no staring into space nothing out of the ordinary you cover anybody talks to you, is just another day that ends in Y. That's all. And that makes a nice transition into Mike's Always Right. This is pretty straightforward. I'm just going to examine the actions of Mike Ermentrout in this episode and ask one simple question. Was Mike Right? And honestly, this is about as close as you'll ever come to seeing Mike not be right. He is right in that if Gus had just stayed where he was, Gus would have been fine. But Gus didn't stay there, and Gus did bring guys, Mike's guys with him, and those guys got knocked out by Lala. So you do have to Mike, you do have to knock Mike a little bit for having his guys not be quite up to stuff there. Again, he couldn't make Gus stay, but his guys should have they definitely had the tactical advantage. They had the numbers. They knew the territory. They should not have all gotten taken out by Lalo that easy. So that's a little bit of a knock on Mike. But in the end of the day, Mike still knew the right thing to do. Gus still came out of it alive. So, what you know, what are you going to say? It's, it is what it is. They live to see another day. Gus lives to meet Walter White. And I still want to be like Mike. Now... It's time for me to give my favorite quote or piece of dialogue from the episode. It has to be from me. Gus Fring's monologue to Lalo. He goes back and forth between Spanish and English. But the most important part is he's selling this to Lalo to let him walk to where he needs to. But it's also real. This is one of the few times you ever see Gus really drop his mask. In, like, tell people what he's really thinking. And I mean, he calls Eladio a fat pig, a greasy, bloated pimp. He calls the cartel a pack of stray dogs with no honor, no vision, no patience, no thought. And the Salamancos, the worst of all of them, they think they believe in blood for blood, but they only understand blood for money. And Gus, he understands blood for blood. And that's why he'll save Hector till last. Uh, I think that's just both fantastic writing delivered in a terrific way by Carlo. Love all of that. That brings me to my favorite scene or moment of the episode. And this is probably a little bit of a Debbie Downer because I'm going with just everything with Gus and Lalo at the laundromat as more or less my favorite scene or moment call it what you will it's you know an extended like two and a half scenes or whatever but it's magic love the actors together the whole thing's incredible you know that gus isn't gonna die and it's still tense as fuck that's how you know it's well done we know that lalo can't win and it was still like making the hairs race in the back of my neck and everything Amazing. Loved all of it. I uh, just, again, I know Lalo had to go. I just wish that he didn't have to. Uh, you know, along that, uh, RIP, uh, Polly Walnuts, Tony Sirocco. In honor of one of our favorite characters, it's time to choose our Nacho, so, Nacho so, Man. I want to be a Nacho so, Man for Woman of the Week. This is our MVP. For the episode, point and shoot, it's just me here. And, you know, you could argue that maybe Miss Cleo was involved or I have no idea. Doctor Strange, something. But you got to give it up for Gus Fring. He did the thing, right? First, he knew Lalo was alive when everyone thought he was dead. And then he managed to plant the gun and then he killed him. It's all almost otherworldly, but that's always been kind of that aspect of Gus Fring about how smart he was and they made him that smart deliberately to prove how smart Walter White was and to give him an adversary that can operate on an equal level. But Gus Fring here is, I mean, he's big braining it to put that gun there and figure all that out and know that he would get down there because Lalo would want the proof and want to bury him there or whatever. Again, a little bit reachy but fucking amazing. I enjoyed it so much that i'm just nitpicking so shout out writers if that was the only way you could make it work you pay it off especially with the irony that you know he's always him and hamlin are always have been and will be buried under the floor at the super lab there and why not right like why not bury bodies there If they already catch you with your giant secret meth lab what's two more bodies if they ever even find them at all so i i can live with that gus fring mvp of the episode no diggity no doubt Now, it's time for me to pretend like I know what I'm talking about and put a grade in this episode. And what we do on the show is we grade each episode on a scale of one to ten Marco's pinky. This was a good one. Not quite as good as episode seven of season six, the finale there, part one. I'm going to give 9.5 pinky rings to point shoot. Again, nothing really wrong. I think there were a couple of plot points where I don't quite believe this is exactly how it would have went down again with gus going to the laundry in the first place having the gun placed perfectly there lalo kind of playing it fast and loose with jimmy or kim even trusting that they would go to uh, gus's house at all because he didn't have anyone following them so any problems i have here are basically plotting based everything else is just fucking brilliant the the cinematography especially the sound design The music, the acting, everything is on point. Again, I had a pretty good idea of how this episode was going to end, most notably with the death of Lalo. And it was still tense as hell. I liked how they incorporated Hamlin's death both into the cold open and into the very end when Mike is burying the bodies and he takes the shoes and the ring and the wallet. I thought it was incredibly well done yet tasteful, and a a proper death for a real villain like Tony Dalton, man. Lalo Salamanca, played by Tony Dalton, just absolutely fantastic, needed a baller ending, going out, you know, with bullet to the neck, doing his smile and everything. I was, you know, again, I don't know how much higher you can go than that without really fucking up the events of Breaking Bad, but I can take it. it it was good enough for me, I'm just going to miss Lalo because, again, no Nacho, no Lalo. Hamlin. It's down to Kim and how Jimmy gets uh, the vet's black book, right? That's pretty much it. And that brings us to the the very end here, which is time for a little bit of speculation about what's going to happen in the last five episodes. Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is! At this point, with five left, taking Lalo off the board here, I have to think that we get no more than three of the last five episodes set in this timeline. I'm saying we have at least two that are set in Breaking Bad and or the Gene timeline. I think next episode we get our first Breaking Bad cameo somehow. I'm saying it happens somehow at the the community college there. Maybe Kim has to go there because I think, dude, Kim's going to go off the deep end after this. Like we saw it happen a little bit when she got into her accident earlier. I can see her here just, spiraling she gives up her pro bono work and i don't know maybe she goes to take a substitute teacher job or something i have i have no idea and i do think that there's going to be some suspicion around hamlin's death whether it's someone like cliff main sniffing around or maybe just now that we know that the the da and everything that's suspicious of jimmy slash saul they look at this and they could see a connection somehow I think that's definitely in play. I don't know that it's necessarily going to just be hand waved away in one that's kind of random. But I'm saying that next episode, Jimmy and Kim, they they move out of the condo. I don't know if they can keep living there after knowing, you know, Lalo came in there and, you know, assaulted them. Hamlin died in there. That's some shit. I think they're breaking that lease. They're, you know, making like the Billy Joel and they're moving out crazy shit i there's so many things you could predict i try not to go like on the reddit boards and look at everything i know y'all are really great at predicting shit and sometimes it's almost too good i try you know i want to do it on my own it's like you know uh with the game of thrones back in the day you could early seasons read the books to get ahead it's like oh man i don't know if i want to read the books but you're telling me it's there you know it's like the binge model where the shows are in front of you and you're like, okay, I just watched episode one of this thing. All 10 episodes are available, but I'd like to read some reviews and listen to a podcast. And that lasts for like two episodes. And then you binge everything and, you know, watch the thing for episode 10. We don't have to do that all over soon because we're here every week. There's only five episodes left. They're coming over the next five weeks. We'll be here to cover them. All next episode is titled fun and games that airs monday july 18th thank you again for checking out Over soon jamie g should be back with me next week i am magnum mills you can check us out on your favorite podcast platform make sure you subscribe just look for Saul over soon same thing on social media at sol soon send your feedback to Soloversoon soon at gmail.com We're from the Joe Blow Football Show, who you can find at JoeBlowFootballShow.com and on social media at Joe Blow Show. Just wrapped our coverage of the boys on Compound B. Find that on your favorite podcast platform. And we're going to be covering House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones spinoff. We'll be covering that, too. And please remember to buckle up, because you're in the game now, and it's all over soon. This has been Saul Over Soon, a Better Call Saul podcast. This show is for entertainment purposes only. We are in no way affiliated with Better Call Saul, AMC, Sony Pictures Television, Netflix, or any other production company or association. The views here are those of the hosts only and do not represent any other entity. Thanks again for checking us out, and stay tuned because it's all over soon.